On the 26th of February 1994, the police searching for a missing 16-year-old girl, Heather West, excavated the garden of a house in Gloucester, where a few days later they unearthed a tie bone from a hole beneath the patio. The pathologist Professor Bernard Knight reaching deep into another sludge-filled hole beneath pink and cream paving slabs produced two more femurs. This led Knight to comment that either this was the world's first three-legged woman or the police now had two victims on their hands. Excerpt from Rose West, The Making of a Monster by Jane Carter Woodrow. This was Rose West and this is the good, the bad and the pure evil. So Rose was born Rosemary Letts, November 29, 1953, to William and Daisy, who were quite poor. Daisy had depression and had electroconvulsion therapy while pregnant, which some argue could have caused prenatal development injuries to Rose. Rose was said to be moody, a daydreamer, and really bad at school. In her teens, her parents split and Rose lived with her mother for about six months then went to her father, and he had issues. He suffered from paranoid schizophrenia, which had him very violent, and he would repeatedly sexually abuse Rose and her sister Patricia. When puberty started, Rose was fascinated with herself and would walk around with no, little to no clothes for all those to see, including her younger brother. At 13, she would sexually assault her younger brothers at night in their rooms. So we are already dealing with an evil, horrible creature. So it's early 1969, Rose is 15 and she's at a bus stop. And a 27 year old man approaches her. He's filthy, smells bad, and Rose thought he was a tramp. His name was Fred West. At first she was disgusted by him, but quickly liked the attention he gave her. For days he met her at the bus stop and they rode together. Fred asked her twice for a date, but Rose said no. However, she did let him walk her home. Fred found out Rose worked at a bread shop. Maybe she said it in their chats, or maybe he followed her. Either way, he went to this bread shop. He approached a woman outside to go into the shop with a gift for Rose, and a note saying, man outside. Once the woman came out, Fred went in, asking for another date. This time, Rose said yes. Soon their relationship started with Rose going frequently to Fred's home in a caravan park, where he lived with his two children, Anna Maria and stepdaughter Charmaine. Rose seen the girls neglected, so she stepped in as, a, as minding them, treating them at first with care and kindness. In their early days as a couple, Rose insisted the girls came along for happy memories and to feel included. Rose would leave the bread job uh, to become full nanny to the Charmaine and Anna Marie, with Fred giving her enough money so her parents still thought she had the bread shop job. Months passed and Rose decides Fred should meet her folks, who were horrified. Her mother thought Fred was arrogant, cocky, and a liar. Rose's father wasn't having it at all, and he threatened Fred, said he'd call social services if he stayed with Rose. 
Rose's parents told her she couldn't see Fred anymore. But like most teens, she went against them. So they went to social services to tell them about their 15-year-old daughter with an older man and about rumours she was selling herself to others at his place. With this, Rose was placed in a home for troubled teens on Aug in August 1969. She would be allowed home at the weekends to her parents and use this opportunity to, fris- to visit Fred. Her 16th birthday, Rose left the home and went back to her parents. Fred was in jail for theft and unpaid fines. When he was released, Rose and him moved into a flat along with Charmaine and Anna Marie. Rose's father had her examined in February 1970 by a police surgeon and they confirmed she was pregnant. This had her placed in care again but March 6th she was discharged agreeing to go no further with the pregnancy and return to her parents. Once free Rose went to Fred's and that was it for her father who never ever wanted to see her again. Three months later, Rose, Fred and the girls moved to a ground floor flat on Midland Road. October 17, 1970, the couple had their daughter, Heather Ann. Two months later, Fred's back in jail for theft and remains here until June 24, 1971. Rose was now 17 and cares for the three girls, being called mother. According to Anna Marie, at this time, she and Charmaine were physically and emotionally abused by Rose. Anna Marie said she was upset in response to the punishments which delighted Rose. But Charmaine, she didn't give Rose dissatisfaction. She didn't cry or winch, nothing. And this really made Rose mad. Charmaine never broke. She stayed strong with the mentality her real mother would come for her. Rose is believed to have killed Charmaine just before Fred's release on June 24, 1971. June 15th, she took all three girls to visit Fred in jail. So either that day or soon after, she killed Charmaine. A friend of Charmaine's, Tracy Giles, and her mother came to visit one day in June. They used to live above them and Charmaine wasn't there. Rose explained she went to live with her mother, Catherine Rena West, and quote, bloody good riddance, end quote. Others who asked about Charmaine were told the same. Charmaine went to Rena in Bristol. To the school, the same, that Charmaine went to Rena, but instead of Bristol, it was London. When Fred came out and he was asked about his daughter, Charmaine, he said she went to Rena, but this time it was Scotland. So that's three different stories already. Rose kept Charmaine's body in a cold cellar until Fred got out. He buried her in the yard and was adamant he didn't dismember her. This was because when she was eventually found, the body was severed at the hip with many bones missing. A finger, wrist, toe, ankles, all missing. They are believed to have been taken for keepsakes. Now Rena, Catherine West, mother of Charmaine and Anna Marie, would come in and out of the children's lives over the years. She'd go to Fred's family in August 1971 to ask how her children were and to get the new address. The family said she appeared depressed and very worried for the children. 
they gave her the Midland Roads address and she left, probably to get her daughters. She was never seen again. It's believed she was strangled, her body was found dismembered and in plastic bags years later. January 29, 1972, Fred and Rose got married, with Fred falsely putting himself as a bachelor on the marriage cert. Months later, Rose is pregnant and the couple moved to a three-story house, 25 Cromwell Street. At first, they rented from the council and then bought it for £7,000. To get this money, they converted the upper floors into bedsits. To have privacy, Fred had a cooker and wash basin on the first floor landing, so lodgers didn't come to the ground floor where the family lived, and the garden was family only too. June 1st, their daughter, May June West, was born. So we're already in a tale, a terrible tale, two murders, abuse, but it's about to get a whole lot worse. Rose began selling herself in the upstairs rooms. She also had involvement with lodgers, men and women. She'd brag how no one could really satisfy her. To women, she was aggressive and delighted in fear and pain from them. The couple were big into bondage and restraints, which each to their own, but they took it way too far, into very disgusting and graphical areas. Rose controlled all the money, including Fred's pay. The room she entertained in was called Mandy's room. Mandy was her name to clients. The room had many peepholes for Fred to watch and had a baby monitor for him to listen. The room had a bar and red light outside. When lit, she was not to be disturbed. Rose had the only key around her neck and Fred had a separate doorbell installed for clients. Much of Rose's money went on home improvements. By 1977, Rose's father came around, reluctantly, and he and Fred opened a cafe called the Green Lantern. Soon though, it went bust. By 1983, Rose had eight children. At least three were clients, but Fred accepted them all as his own. When the kids got to seven, chores were given. They couldn't socialise and had strict guidelines to follow or face extreme punishments. Rose was the main one to dish out the punishments. Her reasons were random and she made sure not to mark the face or hands of the children. The kids ran away, slept rough or with friends but were always taken back. Once back, they were battered. 1972 to 1992, the kids went to hospital 31 times with excuses of accidents. Never in the 31 times was any reported to social services. Rose also attacked Fred. Once she chased him with a carving knife. Fred managed to get into a room and shut the door as Rose lunged at him. The knife hit the door and the blade slit, almost severing Rose's hand. In, resp in response, she blamed Fred, demanding he take her to hospital. So September 1972, Rose and Fred took Anna Marie, who was eight, to the cellar and assaulted her. This would be ongoing thing both by Rose and Fred. They would threaten beatings or worse if she ever told anyone. At 13, Anna Marie was taken to Rose's clients, telling them she was 16. 
Rose remained in the room to make sure Anna Marie kept this to the story. October 1972, the West came across a 17-year-old called Carolyn Owens. She was hitchhiking and they offered her a job as a nanny. She moved in, rooming with Anna Marie, who she said was very withdrawn. Owens quickly seen men visit upstairs and when she asked, Rose said she was a masseuse. Soon the West became overly handsy to Owens and she demanded to go home. December 6th, the West lured Owens into the car with an apology and a lift home. Believing them, she got into the back with Rose for what Rose called a girl's chat while Fred drove. Rose began touching Owens while Fred asked weird questions. Owens fought back and Fred slammed the brakes, turned and punched her unconscious. Then Rose bind and gagged her. She was taken back to the West home, was drugged with, uh, with spiked tea and then assaulted for hours. Every time she fought back, the assault and torture increased, so she, so she stopped resisting. The next morning, one of the children knocked the door and Owen screamed for help, but was restrained and locked in the cellar. Fred threatened her with more abuse and death. Fred claimed he killed hundreds and added she was only there for Rose's desires. Once calmed down, Rose and Fred asked Owens to come back as nanny. Seeing as it as a way out, she agreed. She began tidying the home and appearing to be compliant. Later that day, while at a laundrette with Rose, Owens escaped, making it back home. She wouldn't tell her mother what happened, but seeing the injuries on her daughter, body, body welts and bruises, she pushed her for answers. Owens broke down and told her everything. Knowing this, they went immediately to police who arrested the Wests. January 12, 1973 was the trial date, but Owens couldn't face it and all charges connected to her assault were dropped. The Wests pled guilty to reduced charges and were fined £50 each and they walked free. August 6, 1992, Fred's arrest after being accused of assault on his daughter three times and Rose was arrested of child cruelty. The case collapsed the 7th of June 1993 when the daughter wouldn't testify. The kids were removed and placed in the foster homes, but a child was missing, Heather, who hadn't been seen since 1987, and this had a huge investigation started. Soon they found human remains and signs of torture at 25 Cromwell Street. February 1994, Rose and Fred were arrested. Rose would blame it all on Fred, said he did it alone and claimed on one occasion she tried to stop him. But evidence against her was mounting and was thought to be enough to prosecute her for 10 murders with Fred charged with two more before his connection with Rose. Once arrested, Fred told Janet Leach his appropriate adult, that Rose killed Shirley Robinson and he had helped with disposal. Another body was found at the home and this time it was their daughter, Heather. She was dismembered and buried under the patio. It's believed Heather was telling outsiders what was happening at the home. A younger brother, Barry, recounted seeing Rose, his mother, kick Heather over 
and over until she stopped moving. To explain her disappearance, a story was made up that she got a job in a holiday village and even had an imaginary phone call to Heather to reassure the remaining kids. Heather was the last known murder the pair committed. While on remand, Fred died January 1st, 1995 by his own hand. At pre-trial in February, had Rose plead not guilty. Her trial began October 3rd and prosecutors called Fred and Rose as sadistics, murderers and sex assess. They pointed out Fred was in prison when Charmaine was killed and how Fred and Rose had made a mistake letting Owens live and never did that again. Prosecutors also painted Rose as controlling and devious. Witnesses from them included lodgers, victims, relatives, Rose's mother and those who lived like Owens. A woman called Miss A also testified saying Rose was the more aggressive of the pair. Defence was led by Richard Ferguson and he began by pointing out Fred had murdered at least one just like the others before Rose entered the picture. And the evidence against Rose was very he said, she said, could be, maybe. Basically he said it was all circumstantial. He also said Rose didn't know fully what Fred did and not to judge her on her manner. Rose was told not to testify, but she did anyway. She was overdramatic and weird, crying at sad moments in her life, but it was way over the top crying, and then laughing at her, always being pregnant, like it was weird and unnerving. When shown photos of the victims and asked if she recognized them, Rose broke. She went bright red, stuttered, stumbled, no sir. Rose claimed she and Fred had separate lives when asked about life at Cromwell Street. A claim contradicted by testimony of visitors and neighbours. When talking about Heather, she said their relationship was strained. She was abusive, a lesbian, and tortured the other kids. Rose went on to say she deeply loved Heather, even though her faults, even though she had faults, and didn't know she had been killed. Next, the defense called a string of women who were attacked or assaulted by a man who looked like Fred from 1966 until 1975. The women testified that they believed Fred was their attacker and they recognized him from the media photo in 1994 after his arrest. The reason to track out these women was to show the jury what Fred was capable of, abduction, assault, attack, all without Rose. The final witness was Fred's appropriate adult, Janet Leach. She said Fred confided in her that just before their arrest, he and Rose made a pact. He would take full responsibility for what he called some of Rose's mistakes. He told her about Rose killing Charmaine, how he dismembered victims, and how Rose played a huge part in the eight murders she was charged with. In Cross, Leach collapsed and trial was adjourned for six days. She returned November 13th to finish the cross. After seven weeks, the jury was sent off with very specific instructions. These instructions stated, circumstantial evidence can be enough for guilt, and two people involved in a murder, the law sees them equally guilty. 
November 22nd and 21st, guilty on all charges, all 10 came back. She was first sentenced to life with no parole. This was changed 25 years. Then in 1997, Jack Straw, Home Secretary, changed it to Whole Life Tower. This was the second to be imposed on a woman in the UK. The first was Myra Hindley in 1990. Speaking of Myra, apparently her and Rose were very close in prison, like relationship close. But this cooled when the two became rivals for prison queen. Anyway, as of 2001, Rose is not appealing her convictions anymore, but still maintains that she is innocent. And that is the story of Rose West. Hit that like button. If you're not subscribed, please get subscribed. And ring the hell out of that bell. Join me next time for Rodney Alcala, a US serial killer who was sentenced to death for murders he committed from 1977 until 1979. He is said to have toyed with his victims before killing them. Until then, this was the good, the bad and the pure evil.